The views and opinions expressed by contributors on the Spoon River Gothic podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the position of the host. Material heard on the Spoon River Gothic podcast is intended for adult listeners. This podcast deals with mature topics that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. This is Spoon River Gothic, narrative of a double homicide. Chapter 42 The Contenders May 30 Russ Hello there Hey, it's been a while since I wrote you But there's been a good reason why I haven't wrote And I'm sorry for not writing you sooner Now the reason I haven't written Was because I was informed that everyone that I did write to from Fulton County Jail The cops would go and question them About what was in my letters And question them about me and that bullshit that they were trying to push off on me? Well, I guess since I quit writing to people, the cops started leaving people alone. But I am not real sure of that because, as I said, I wasn't writing, so no one was writing to me, letting me know what was going on. But tonight I just said to hell with them cops, because I'm not going to let them try and hold something over my head that I had no part in. I had nothing to do with any fire, or about any kind of people dying so them cops can kiss my ass. Well, I wrote David a few times back in January, but never heard a word back from him. And then I was informed that he was spending a lot of time down at the state attorney's office. So I stopped writing to him because I was sick of hearing what the cops were trying to pull on me. I'll get off that subject now because, because I think about what the cops are trying to do and have already done in my ass. It just gets me pissed off. Well, I haven't been doing too much, just pumping iron, going to school, trying to stay away from all the bullshit that's in here. Now Fulton County, nor the Canton PD, will give me back my personal property, and I had to file some legal papers against them. And I'm waiting on the outcome of that, so all I have to say about the bug is part it out, and get what you can out of it. Russ, it's yours to do whatever you wish. I have a lot of time to do yet, so I would not feel right having you hold on to it. And besides, it's in your yard and all, so get what you can out of it, and buy your little ones something cool. Well, I'll let you get back to your business, and I sure would like to hear from you. But if not, y'all stay cool out there, okay? Later, Dawn. The following report, completed by Illinois State Police Special Agent Kenneth Kedzer, reflects the 71593 interview of Confidential Source, otherwise known as the CS. The purpose of the interview is to obtain information concerning the deaths of Donna J. and Justine N. Tompkins. The interview conducted at the Fulton County Jail began at 9.30 a.m. 
present were the CS and the reporting agent. In summary, the CS provided the following information. The CS advised that he has had many conversations with Donald R. Bull while incarcerated at Fulton County Jail. The CS advised that Bull would not say anything about Donna Tompkins for a long time. The CS advised that Bull stated that he sold Donna a couch for $300. The CS stated that Bull said the sofa was stolen from Wright's furniture in Canton. The CS explained that Bull stated that there were three couches in Wright's warehouse, but only two were listed on the inventory sheet. The CS advised Bull said he took the sofa and ground the serial numbers on the metal frame of the couch, as well as sanding the serial numbers off the wooden frame. The CS advised that Bull stated that when he delivered the couch, there was $150. The CS advised that Bull stated he and Donna had sex at this time. The CS added that after Bull saw a segment on the laws about DNA, Bull started saying he had had sex with Donna. The CS advised that Bull stated that the Sunday before Donna passed away, Bull and Donna had sex at Donna's apartment during the day. The CS continued that Bull said he rode his bicycle to Donna's apartment and advised that Donna's daughter was not there. The CS reported that Bull stated that Bull and Donna smoked some weed, cannabis, and drank Pepsi with some kind of alcohol. The CS advised that referring to sex, Bull stated that Donna was good. The CS stated that Bull advised that the night before the fire at Donna's residence, Bull dropped David E. Nell off at Nell's house on East Walnut between 3.30 and 4 a.m. The CS continued that Bull said that on the way home from Nell's, he got a flat tire about one block from Donna's apartment. The CS advised that Bull said he woke up in the car and could not account for four hours. The CS stated that Bull noted that when he woke up, a guy in a red and black truck saw him. The CS advised that Bull said that the guy lived across the street from where Bull was parked, and it was around 7 a.m. The CS reported that Bull stated he then went home. The CS advised that after Bull had a blood sample taken from him by court order, Bull began asking the CS why the police wanted his blood. The CS advised Bull that the police could do a lot with a person's blood. The CS advised that Bull began to say, unless under the couch, and then placed his hands up horizontally in front of him, as if he was reaching under the couch. The CS advised that Bull often states that having sex with Donna doesn't prove he killed her. The CS reported that Bull said he had only had sex with Donna twice. The CS advised that Bull has tried to distance himself from Donna by referring to a bank and stating that Donna had often had large sums of money with her. The CS noted that Bull recalled Donna at IGA around Christmas and Donna had large sums of money with her. The CS said Bull advised that Donna called him often at Nell's house. The CS continued that Bull stated Nell's mother would answer the calls and say that Bull wasn't there if he did not want to talk to Donna. The interview concluded at 10.04 a.m. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, there are a couple of things I feel obligated to point out from this report. One. On the date that Donnie delivered the couch to the apartment of Donna Tompkins, when the CS advised that Donnie Bull and Donna had had sex at that time, but Donna was possibly out of state, and factually not at home on that day of the delivery. In fact, two friends helping him deliver the sofa bed that day, Russell Stuffelbeam and David Nell, 
and neither Donnie nor the two friends had stated anything about any sexual activity having occurred on that day, nor that Donna had been home at the time. And it is fairly well documented that Donnie and Donna had no physical contact in the near vicinity of this date. Secondly, the CS states that Donnie Bull and Donna, at a later date, smoked weed together at her home. It is important to note that the autopsy results included a drug scanning, and Donna tested negative for any trace of THC in her system at the time of her death. Moving along. September 3, 1993, the headline of the Canton Daily Ledger read, Attorneys Describe Strategies Planned in Sexual Assault Trial. Lewistown. Lawyers make opening statements Thursday in a case in which a local man was accused of choking a 25-year-old Canton woman unconscious in her car at Hewlett Park and then raping her. Donald R. Bowl, 29 of Canton, was arrested several hours after the alleged incident on March 24th by Fulton County Sheriff's deputies after they interviewed him at Canton Police Department. He later was ordered held in Fulton County Jail in lieu of $75,000 bail and charged with attempted aggravated criminal sexual assault, aggravated criminal sexual abuse, and two counts of aggravated battery. The assault charge was for completing a sexual act, and the abuse charge was for fondling a breast area. One count of aggravated battery was for causing great bodily harm and the other count was for causing them harm in a public place. According to his attorney, Bill Davis of Lewistown, Bull pleaded not guilty to the charges and plans to testify. The trial in Fulton County Circuit Court is expected to last five days. State's attorney, Ed Danner, said the police expected to introduce more than 20 witnesses and present evidence to prove Bull is guilty of the charges. Danner said, It will be shown Bull went to the suburban bar that evening on March 23rd, talked to the alleged victim, who knew him as a casual friend, and then rode as a passenger in her car to Josie B's tavern. Danner said the woman decided it was time to go home around 12.30 a.m. on March 24th, and she was going to give Bull a ride home. She didn't know where he lived, and Bull directed her to drive south on Route 78 to a gravel road just past the entrance of Hewlett Park, and turn left there, Danner said. So she did, went some distance, and then was told to turn left again. She did turn left again, and soon found that she was driving down a back entrance to Hewlett Park. She went to the top of a hill near a large tree, stopped, then asked why they were at the park. She said Bull allegedly told her he thought they could have sex. Danner said she refused, and that Bull then turned off the ignition, grabbed her, forced her down in the driver's seat, and attacked her. Danner told the jury that multiple interviews were conducted with Bull on March 24th about what happened. In one discussion, Bull allegedly denied ever leaving Josie B's with the woman. In another, he said he may be guilty of aggravated battery, but that he did not rape her. In one interview, Danner said, Bull alleged the woman with him at Josie B's wanted to go get high and smoke crack cocaine. Then in the parking lot of the tavern, she flipped out 
and started hitting Bull, so he had to defend himself. In his opening statement, Davis said the state, which has the burden of proof, will not be able to produce sufficient evidence to prove a substantial, reasonable doubt that Bull is guilty of the allegations. The woman and the defendant have known each other for years. They drank alcoholic beverages together and were friends. She had wanted him to go to Josie B's and will say she was choked into unconsciousness and was uncertain whether they had sex, Davis said. He added forensic police studies of hairs combed from both parties, heads, pubic areas, and clothing, as well as hairs plucked from both of their heads and pubic regions, will show there was no transfer of hair from one of them to the other during the alleged incident. Davis said no evidence of seminal fluid was found on the woman's underpants, sweater, or rear seat of the car, where she said she later regained consciousness. Pelvic and rectal examinations conducted by a Graham Hospital emergency room doctor revealed no abrasions, bruises, or lacerations in those areas, and no sperm was found following swabs of the mouth, vagina, and rectum. Davis continued that there was a tiny cut on her breasts, and blood on her bra and face came only from her body, although blood on the coat of Bull apparently came from both him and the woman. According to Davis, she wanted to go to his residence to have sex, but he declined because he had a girlfriend, Rochelle Hillmeyer, late 30s, of 637 South 2nd Avenue, where he also resided. Davis said that she was mad when she drove to Josie B's with Bull. Later, they got into an argument in the parking lot at Josie B's over his sister, who was dating a friend of the woman. Bull called out an obscenity while they argued, and then she freaked out, Davis said. She kicked Bull and punched him hard. Then she fell down, got up, and gouged at his face, cutting an area below one of Bull's eyes. Then he pushed her away and she fell again, Davis said. When she got up, Bull grabbed her, shook her, and yelled at her to settle down, Davis said. She struggled but settled down and then got sick and vomited. Davis said she lay down in the back of her car, told Bull she was okay, and that he then left her there. Another article in the same paper entitled, Testimony Ties Defendant to Attack in Park, also went on to state, The woman, now 26, testified she had offered to give Bull a ride home from Josie B's Tavern around 12.30 a.m. on March 24th. She noted that one of Bull's friends had been using the car of Bull's girlfriend, and she thought the friend would continue using it that Tuesday night. I was just being nice, she said. I had to go to work the next morning. He was going to go home, too. She noted she had been acquainted with Bull for four or five years and met him when he was married to his former wife. She said she and Bull were casual friends. She did not know where Bull lived and drove where he told her to go, a road she then realized led up to a hill at Hewlett Park. I asked why we were here. He said he thought we'd have sex. I said no. He turned off the car, I turned it on, and he turned it off again. He reached up with his hand and then started choking me. She said he grabbed her, pulled her down, and then started choking her with both hands. She struggled and asked, why are you doing this? She said he would not stop, and they struggled for 10 to 15 seconds. He choked me, and just kept choking me until I was completely unconscious, she said. When Fulton County State's Attorney Ed Danner asked about her state of mind just before she lost consciousness, she said, 
I thought he was going to kill me. She said she regained consciousness around 2.30 a.m. in the back seat of her two-door car. Bull was sitting in the driver's seat. She felt hurt and sore and leaned out and vomited. Bull said he would leave her there if she went to the police. So she said that she would not do so and he drove her to her home, she testified. She then called her brother and asked him to come to her home and take her to the Canton Police Department. As he arrived, he took her to the emergency room of Graham Hospital. She said she was at the hospital from around 3 to 7 a.m. Lewistown attorney Bill Davis, representing Bull, asked her if she remembered telling police Donnie's friend wanted Donnie's car, so he wanted a ride home. No, I don't remember anything I said that night, the woman said. He also asked if she recalled telling a nurse at the hospital about Bull needing a ride since someone else was using his car. I don't think so, she said. I don't remember what I said to each person. David said testimony would show the car of Bull's girlfriend was still parked at Josie B's when she and Bull left that night. He asked her if they had argued at the bar after going to Hewlett Park. No. Did she tell the same nurse Bull hit her because she freaked out during an argument? No, the woman said. She added that she never said freaked out, not that I recall. She said she may have used similar words. I got, I guess, angry. I'd say flipped out. He asked her if she had a bad temper and she said no. Danner asked her how she felt when she talked to the police and medical staff. I was upset. I was hurt. I was not really understanding what was going on. She added that when the policeman began talking to her, she understood him and remembered his questions. Sergeant Curtis Pierce, an investigator with Fulton County Sheriff's Department, testified Bull later was contacted at the residence of his girlfriend, Rochelle Hillmeyer, late 30s, of 367 South 2nd Avenue, and Bull voluntarily came with me around 6.55 a.m. to an interview room at the Canton Police Station. Pierce said he reminded Bull of his rights, and he talked to us voluntarily. Pierce testified Bull had a red speck under his nose, reddish stains on both sides of his mouth, and another abrasion. He asked if he could use a swab and distilled water to take a sample of what appeared to be blood on Bull's face. But then Bull began to use his hand to wipe off his face, Pierce said. He said, you ain't getting anything off me. I grabbed his arm and I made the arrest. Bull's hands were cuffed behind his back and he was taken to Fulton County Jail. A state police crime scene technician later testified he took swab samples from Bull. Bull plans to testify during the trial, according to Davis. That same day, Peoria Journal Star headlines read, Woman testifies Canton man choked her unconscious. Trial begins for man accused of sexual abuse and battery. Lewistown. According to testimony presented Thursday in Fulton County Circuit Court, Donald Bull of Canton choked a woman until she blacked out, then physically abused her while unconscious. Bull 29 is charged with attempted aggravated criminal sexual assault, aggravated criminal sexual abuse, and two counts of aggravated battery in connection with an incident in a parked car just south of Canton on March 24th. State's attorney Ed Danner began to build the state's case Thursday after opening arguments from the defense and prosecution painted wildly different portraits of the encounter between Bull and this alleged victim. 
Tanner said he aims to prove that Bull misled a female acquaintance into thinking she was driving him home from a bar, then attacked her when they reached Hewlett Park. Bull's attorney, Bill Davis, said his client only acted on the alleged victim's request when he accompanied her in her car, even driving her home because she was drunk. He characterized the woman as a would-be sex partner of Bull's, who freaked out in the parking lot of a bar, forcing him to restrain her. Tanner called the woman as his first witness, and through his questioning, slowly guided her through the events of March 23rd and 24th. March 23rd fell on a Tuesday, the woman said. She had gone to the Suburban, a tavern on the west side of Canton, to inquire about some money she had lost, or had stolen from her on her last visit there. Discovering nothing, she stayed for a few drinks. At about 9.30am, she began talking to Bull, whom she knew. She testified that the two decided to go to another Canton Tavern, Josie B's, together in her car. They stayed at Josie B's for about an hour, leaving sometime between midnight and 1am. She offered Bull a ride home and he accepted, she testified. He gave her directions that led out of town, but she knew some houses in the area and didn't think twice about it. Then he had her turn into Hewlett Park, where he turned off the ignition and asked her to have sex with him, the woman testified. According to her testimony, she refused his request, and he began to choke her. I thought he was going to kill me, she said, when Danner asked her to recount her last thoughts before drifting off into unconsciousness. The alleged victim testified she awoke, beaten and confused, in the backseat of her car, not knowing what he had done to her. Canton Daily Ledger, September 4th, 1993. Experts testify on evidence. The article stated that Jenny Hahn of the Forensic Serology Department of the Illinois State Police Crime Lab in Morton testified in Fulton County Circuit Court that she found no semen on any item of evidence she examined. She noted that no trace of sperm was found on cotton swab samples taken from the alleged victim's vagina, rectum, and mouth. Hahn also said no semen was found on the bra, underpants, jeans, and sweater, which the woman, now 26, had been wearing at the time of the alleged incident. In addition, none was found in the rear seat cushion of the car, where she allegedly found herself when she regained consciousness after being choked. The emergency room physician that night, Dr. Ernesto Noche, said he saw her when she arrived at 3 or 3.30 a.m. He said he performed a pelvic exam on her which showed no abrasions, bruises, or lacerations to the external genitalia, vagina, cervix, uterus, or rectal area. He noticed she had suffered multiple bruises to her shoulders, around her neck, on one side of her flank, her upper right chest, her left nipple, and her face, especially the right side of her face. Noche said some little red marks were associated with little hemorrhages on the right side of her face. He added that she had dried blood on her nose and face was bleeding in one eye from the surface blood vessels in that eye. The nurse pointed out a laceration on her left breast very close to the nipple, he noted. He said registered nurse Sue Alt spent most of the time with her while she was in the emergency room. During cross-examination, the doctor said it's possible the injuries could have been consistent with falling down or being knocked down. 
Fulton County State's Attorney Ed Danner asked Noche if the red marks on the woman's face were consistent with blunt trauma. Noche said yes, it was possible, and heavy pressure applied to that particular part of the body, like grabbing. It could be consistent with choking also. All testified that the red marks indicated massive venous congestion, which occurs with a sudden blood flow to the face, causing discoloration. I thought she was a near strangulation case, she said. She added that she noted hoarseness in the woman's voice, and told Noche she was concerned about airway composure. Alt also noted that the woman suffered two cuts from the edge of the underside of her left nipple without extending into the areola surrounding the nipple. Each cut was about one quarter inch long. It had the appearance of tooth marks, you know, she asked. The comment was objected to by defense attorney Bill Davis of Lewistown. The objection was sustained and the remark was stricken from the record. Alt also said there were red marks on the woman's upper thighs. They were across the entire front of the thighs of the woman, approximately half inch, she said. Alt also noted that the woman's nose and right side of her mouth had been bleeding. Judy Lebec, who works in the hospital lab, testified a blood sample taken from the woman was tested and indicated she had a blood alcohol level of 0.04%. The legal level of intoxication in Illinois is 0.10%. Also, no trace of cocaine or any other controlled substance was found in the woman's blood, according to Darira Paiva, who works for the State Police Bureau of Forensic Science in Springfield. Paiva said the testing would have encompassed crack cocaine. However, during cross-examination, she said no tests were conducted for the possible presence of marijuana. Fulton County Sheriff Dan Daly earlier testified he interviewed Bull around 1.10 p.m. March 24th in Fulton County Jail. Bull said he had been at the suburban bar in Canton and left with the woman in her car to go to Josie B's. After a while, they decided to go for a ride in her car and smoke some crack cocaine, Daly testified Bull had stated. Bull said they rode around for around 15 minutes and smoked, that they may have driven in the direction of Hewlett Park, but then returned to Josie P's parking lot and had an argument there. Each struck the other three or four times. Daly said Bull told him he may have struck her in the nose and smeared blood over her face, and he possibly grabbed her around the throat. He did not recall choking her until she passed out. Bull then drove her home between 2 and 2.30 a.m., Daly said. Bull had told him he could not remember the details well because he had around 30 beers and smoked crack cocaine. During cross-examination, Daly said Bull told him he denied having sex and did not rape her. When Danner later asked Daly why had started the argument at Josie B's, Daly said Bull told him he could not recall. September 8, 1993, the Pure Journal Star headline read, Man accused of rape testifies. Defendant claims woman attacked him, not the other way around. Donald Bull, 29, said he and the woman did engage in a violent struggle, but it happened in the parking lot of a Canton tavern, not inside a car parked outside of town, as the woman testified Thursday. After closing arguments, both the defense and prosecution concluded their cases Tuesday, leaving the jury to decide today if Bull is guilty. Bull attempted to prove his innocence as the sole witness for the defense. 
Apple said he and the woman drove together in her car to Josie B's after meeting at another tavern on the evening of March 23rd. They then began drinking for several hours and were conversing affectionately. At about 1am, Bull bought a six pack of beer and he testified that the two left the bar. She asked me if I wanted to go for a ride and get high. I agreed, Bull said. Once in the car, she handed Bull a glass smoking pipe he assumed was filled with marijuana. Bull testified he lit the substance in the bowl of the pipe, took a puff, and his mouth went numb. According to his testimony, Bull claimed the substance was crack cocaine during questioning by police, but could not identify it as such on Tuesday. After Bull gave her back the pipe, he and the woman drove south on a gravel road away from town and ended up at Hewlett Park. The woman had asked him to take her to his home, but he refused citing the fact that he lived with his girlfriend, Bull testified. The woman became angry when she found out that Bull had a living companion. She drove him back to Josie B's to pick up Bull's girlfriend's car, which he had let a friend earlier drive. But he testified that the vehicle was no longer there. They began shouting obscenities at each other, and Bull exited her car to walk home. Bull testified that she followed him out and began to strike him, punching his eye and attempting to kick him in the groin. He pushed her back several times in the struggle, finally knocking her forcibly to the ground. She limped back to her car and asked him to drive her home, which he did, Bull testified. Bull said he earlier told police that many of the events in his testimony had occurred because he was afraid of a false rape conviction. State's attorney Ed Danner said the Bull lied to the police because he thought it would be to his advantage. In earlier testimony Tuesday, David Metzger, a serologist for the Illinois State Police, remember this name, ladies and gentlemen, David Metzger, said blood found on the coat Bull wore that night matched the woman's DNA profile. Metzger said her bra, obtained at the hospital, also had her blood on it. Earlier testimony showed her breasts had been lacerated the night of the incident. That same day, a Daily Ledger article read, Bull said the woman slapped him in the face and tried to keep hitting him around 1.30 a.m. in the morning in a tavern parking lot in Canton. He put his hands up to block her. He said she also tried to kick him in the groin, and he pointed to his upper right thigh, where he was allegedly struck. He grabbed her by the arm, and she fell, he said. Bull said the woman got up, came at him again, and poked him in the eye with her finger. It felt like she cut my eye, he said. He added that he pushed her back, then turned to one side and rubbed his eye. While he was in that position, he grabbed her around the shoulders and throat and lifted her from the ground. He yelled at her to release his hair, but she held on, so he continued to hold her up in the air. Finally, she stopped pulling his hair. He pushed her away forcefully, and she fell. I remember seeing her hitting the ground on her side and rolling a couple times, he said. He added she got up, yelled about being hurt, and limped a little. Then she grabbed him by his coat and asked him to take her home. He said she had to vomit a few times, but he eventually took her home. Then he walked to his friend's residence to get his girlfriend's car. Bull said he and the woman drank beer and shots of liquor earlier at the suburban bar. I think we might have embraced once or twice. I'm not sure, he said, when his attorney Bill Davis of Lewistown asked him if he had anything else to add.
As the prosecution finished their closing arguments mid-afternoon Wednesday, State's Attorney Ed Danner donned rubber gloves and exhibited the alleged victim's clothing, key evidence in the trial for the first time. Her blood-stained bra, seemingly supporting testimony that she had been cut during her encounter with Bull, was dangling before the jury. How could she have received two cuts on her breast with her bra left undamaged, Danner said. Because Donald Bull removed the bra while she was unconscious in the back seat of her car, somehow caused the injuries, and then replaced the bra, Danner said. Danner also labeled Bull a liar, citing the defendant's differing versions of the incident. Defense attorney William Davis counters Danner's attack, reciting a litany of what he believed to be causes for reasonable doubt. He argued that the woman's cut breasts were not grounds for a sexual abuse conviction. And after lengthy instructions on procedure from the judge, the jury went behind closed doors, where it remained until after 10 p.m. As lurid rumors began to spread about Fulton County, the likes of, hey, did you hear Donnie Bull slice some woman's nipples off out at Hewlett Park? As the jury struggled to remain objective and unbiased in their reasoning and judgment as humanly possible, as ordered by judge. The possible maximum sentence for Donnie? 15 years if convicted. Judge John R. Clerken had instructed the jury that self-defense is justified when it is reasonable to believe it is necessary to defend oneself against the unlawful use of force. When an attack is provoked, a force equal to that being faced may be exercised after all other remedies, including escape, have been exhausted. September 9th, Jury Decision Bull is guilty on two counts. Lewistown. Donald R. Bull was found guilty on one count of aggravated battery for knowingly causing great bodily harm to a local woman, and another count for knowingly causing bodily harm on public property or a place where the public is accommodated or goes for amusement. A Fulton County jury returned the verdicts after more than seven hours of deliberation. However, the jury was deadlocked on two charges of attempted criminal sexual assault and aggravated criminal sexual abuse. Circuit Judge John R. Clerken declared a mistrial on those charges. The jury apparently determined excessive force was used by the defendant if he was acting in self-defense, since he was able to exercise a threat with superior strength. It was thoroughly mentioned during the trial that Bull weighed between 190 and 200 pounds and was considerably bigger and stronger than the woman during the alleged incident. Bull, in 1983, received the maximum sentence of five years in prison for aggravated battery, a Class III felony. Since he has been convicted of the same class of crime within the last 10 years, Bull is eligible for an extended prison term, State's Attorney Ed Danner said. In the 1993 case, Bull testified he choked a woman until she was unconscious at her home around 2 a.m. February 27, 1983, because she had slapped him. That woman testified she later regained consciousness on the back floor of Bull's car, attempted to escape, 
but was pulled by her hair and choked again until she passed out. She later woke up and escaped on foot, fleeing to Graham Hospital, where she remained in their care for two days. Judge Clerken had told the jury to consider Bull's previous conviction only in regard to his believability as a witness. After the two guilty verdicts were presented to the court, Clerken ordered Bull to be held without bail in Fulton County Jail until sentencing was completed. A sentencing hearing is pending. Friday, October 29th, sentencing hearing in Bull case is continued. Lewistown, a sentencing hearing for Donald Bull, 29 of Canton, has been continued until 9 a.m. December 10th. A motion for a new trial was denied Wednesday in Fulton County Circuit Court, according to Fulton County State's Attorney Ed Danner. Public Defender Bill Davis moved for a new trial, and he called as a witness Donald Bull Sr., the suspect's father, who allegedly conducted an independent investigation of the crime scene. A juror named Mark Dubing testified that he never went to either of the two possible crime scene locations mentioned during the trial. He noted he was familiar with both Josie B's Tavern and Hewlett Park, which are both public places. Judge Clerken denied the motion for a new trial. In other news, Farm Bureau plans citrus sale, vandals damage vehicle in Canton, vitamin C as a cancer treatment option, promotion announced by state police, and zoning panel planned session. Saturday, December 11th, judge sentences Bull to extended prison term. Lewistown, Fulton County State's Attorney Ed Danner had asked for the maximum extended sentence possible, 10 years, and Defense Attorney Bill Davis had requested a term of four years for his client. Judge John Clerken said he had considered the five-day trial that 20 witnesses testified for the state, evidence presented, alternative sentences, and a victim impact statement. I understand now that there are those in this world who can victimize me, and there is little I can do about it, the victim testified Friday. I still cannot understand why I was treated that way. Reading a written statement of his own on Friday, Bull said he was very truly sorry and did not knowingly intentionally mean to hurt the 25-year-old Canton woman on March 23rd. He said alcohol was a factor. He planned to seek treatment and pay the woman restitution. State's attorney Ed Danner said he did not believe Bull was remorseful for his crime. I believe the public will be protected only as long as Donald Bull is incarcerated by the Department of Corrections, Danner said of the 10-year maximum sentence he had recommended. Clerken noted that the regular sentence for aggravated battery is two to five years. He also said he had considered the cost of incarcerating a person in an Illinois prison to be $15,988 a year. Clerken said the only mitigating factor in the case 
was Bowles' willingness to compensate the victim for injuries. The court makes that finding, he said. But Clerkin also said what stood out to him was a history of violent crime. He said it would be a step back to sentence Bull to less than five years. Clerkin said the sentence should serve as a punishment and deter others, and he added he hopes Bull will be rehabilitated. He noted Bull was released in 1985 after the previous conviction and is to be released again. According to court officials, a Farmington woman in her 20s said earlier during the sentencing hearing that Bull had once forced her at knife point to perform fellatio on him and have sexual intercourse with him. She said she contacted the police, but no charges were ever filed. Clerkin noted that Bull will receive credit for 262 days he had been incarcerated since his arrest and will receive one day of good time for every day served in jail when such good credit is earned, and 292 days likely will be considered good time. He added that Bull also could receive an extra 90 days of good time, so it is possible he could be released in December of 1996. Clerkin then advised Bull of his rights and remanded him to the Fulton County Sheriff's custody. On December 20th, Canton Police Detective Marty Boten and the lead detective on the Tompkins case, Sergeant David Ayers, traveled to the Fulton County Jail to speak with Donnie Bull, after being directed to do so by Fulton County State's Attorney Ed Danner. When the officers arrived at the jail, they asked the jailer to bring Donnie to the back interview room, but it was not available for use. So they met with Donnie in the kitchen area instead. As Donnie was walking back to the kitchen, the officers met him in the hallway directly outside of the kitchen and he stated as follows, My attorney told me not to speak with you guys. At which point Sergeant Ayers asked, Then why are you talking, Donnie? And Donnie responded that he wanted to hear what they had to say. At 2.45pm, the detectives and Donnie entered the kitchen and sat at a table with Donnie seated in the middle chair. The door to the kitchen was closed, but according to Detective Boughton's report, was not shut entirely, but was left slightly ajar. On first contact with Donnie in the kitchen, it is also reported that Sergeant Ayers explained that the reason why they were speaking with him was to inform him about the progress of the investigation into the deaths of Donna and Justine Tompkins, informing him that the evidence was still being examined at the Morton Crime Lab. Donnie was told that evidence of some jewelry was also being explored, and Detective Boughton reported that at this point, Donnie interrupted Sergeant Ayers spontaneously and remarked that he had witnesses who saw him finding some rings and furniture, Russell Stufflebeam and his older brother as well. The Sergeant Ayers continued to inform Donnie about the case, and the topic of DNA came up. It was again reported that Donnie interrupted spontaneously, stating that he did in fact have sex with Donna Tompkins, supposedly remarking that he was looking forward to going to prison. The report states that at 3.45pm, one hour later to the minute, the officers thanked Donnie for his cooperation and he was then escorted back to his cell block by a jailer. Lastly, the report states that while the reporting officer spoke with Donald Bull, that he was advised that the purpose of the visit by officers was not to gain information, but rather to explain the continuing investigation to him. 
In my speculation, ladies and gentlemen, this emphasis on the record of intentionally not reading Donnie Bull his Miranda rights upon what was deemed to be anything but an interview, anything but questioning, which would have amounted to unlawful interrogation. Rather, informing Donnie of the purpose of their visit as opposed to acknowledging his constitutional rights to remain silent. Then why are you talking, Donnie? Seemed sufficient. Earlier that same morning, December 20th, 1993, headlines of Fulton County had read, Road to March County Primaries is crowded with contenders. The following candidates have filed petitions to seek office in the March primary. For Fulton County Sheriff, running on a ticket with plans to minimize department costs by implementing a measure forcing inmates to compensate the county for medical expenses incurred while they are housed in the Fulton County Jail, and a plan to continue to be aggressive on DUI and drug offenders, and on domestic violence matters, especially those involving child abuse. Former deputy with 18 years law enforcement experience and a bachelor's degree in law enforcement administration, along with having attended more than 60 training seminars, seeking his fourth term as sheriff, incumbent Dan Daly. His challenger, Army veteran and retired member of local 649 operating engineers, with recent but limited experience as a legal investigator and no direct police experience, himself running on a platform based on his concerns as to what he perceives to be the department's lack of responsiveness in remote rural areas and lack of female deputies to monitor domestic battery cases, along with a vow to ensure the use of video cameras and audio recordings that shall be available as court evidence in drug driving arrests and a personal promise as sheriff to be visible and accessible to the public, and with hope to sway voters with his, quote, good common sense. Democrat, Mr. Donald Bull, Sr. Everything is nothing, with a twist. Kurt Vonnegut. I'm Corey Zimmerman, and this is Spoon River Gothic. He was born by the roadside in a broken down carriage. Came into life on the run. Found on the doorstep of a near. Gothic is a production of Longbird Media in association with CZ Studio and Radio Verite. The show is produced by August Olson, editing, directing, and producing by Corey Zimmerman, audio mastering and engineering by E. Mastered. Research is done by Anne Marie Cannon, Chelsea Mesa, and me, Jinra Illustrisimo. Spoon River Gothic is written and hosted by Corey Zimmerman. You can follow the show at czstudio.works and read the blog at spoonrivergothic.com. 
Show some love by leaving us a rating or review on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And stay tuned for the next episode as we dive deeper into the Donald Bull case. Thank you for listening. This is Spoon River Gothic, narrative of a double homicide.